This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Blank Podcast, the podcast where we delve into those difficult moments with some well-known faces. Uh, I am Jim Daly Esquire, and uh, I'm not really. Um, and joining me is Giles Paley Phillips Esquire. <laughs> I don't think I want to be an Esquire. No. Well, what I don't does it mean that. anyway? I was only mentioning that because I don't think I know what Esquire. We've seen that Jacob Rees-Mogg recently has said to his. Uh, people oh, that work for him that all men without titles should be re- referred to as esquires oh he's a twat yeah well no no and I, I I'm not even sure what an esquire is but well no I, was, well, I thought you might be able to tell me cause I no it was just it just popped into my head hmm. <laughs> sorry man no it's just a bollocks isn't it hey, agreed. agreed but thanks for saying it you're welcome <laughs> um, so we're on our summer break we are yeah how's it going good yeah. I've been camping oh nice mm. whereabouts we go down to the West Wittering. Oh, that's, yeah, that is nice down there. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, lovely sandy beaches down there. And uh, it's quite near Chichester and Portsmouth, mm. Southampton. It's very nice. And we're going to go to the zoo. So, yes, yeah, so oh, it was great. Yeah, really nice. Fantastic. Um, well, we, obviously, we're on our summer breaks. And so there are no blank pods. But we're with you today with a special sort of best of, aren't we? Yeah, best of volume one, I've called it. Best of volume one. So well, yeah, well, in, in, in the anticipation there might be There will be volumes. other volumes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is basically, um, to, to fill in the blanks, if you will, while we're mm. around on our summer vacations, um, but also just a kind of reminder of some of the, the best bits. In fact, we've had a lot of people on, haven't we, in our first season, I guess you could call it that. Yeah. Well, we've, we've been 30-odd podcasts in now, 34 podcasts in, and uh, there's been so many great moments, and I thought we both thought it would be nice to maybe cut up a few bits you know some of those the moments that we really enjoyed mm. um and listening back when we edit these things it's always there's always moments where you think oh that's a really yeah nice bit so it's, we what we've done is, is we've edited together a bunch of our favorite bits yeah so they're not all from every episode no. <laughs> well, <they're not laughs> ha- be... i wasn't expecting them to be no no that'd be really no. long wouldn't it I, it sounds to me like it's a kind of a i say it sounds to me i should know it, what it is really is a sort of fine cut 
fine the the finest cuts of so it's a fine meat. cut of, of of various different podcasts in this volume one and then there will be a, you know hopefully we'll do some other volumes and yeah. there will be cut some other bits but yeah this is the first ones we just thought these are sort of some of our favorite moments so far and we do we do get correspondence from people saying that they've only just found one say a recent one and they've gone back through and listened to old ones so hopefully these might be more jumping off points for other people and think yeah. oh i like the sound of that particular episode and go back and listen to absolutely it. yeah and we've got there's some really great people in there we've got gary neville reg d hunter amanda abington louis Farouk, lucy porter the, the list goes on the list does go on in fact the list goes on right now because we're going to crack on with yeah. the best of uh, the blank podcast volume one <laughs> On things aren't going well, ask yourself the question, did you think that every single thing was going to go well during your life? If you answer that question honestly, it'll always be no. So when a bad moment comes or a difficult moment comes, you're able to be able to accept it. That, that was the one thing that that period of six months, did you honestly believe that you are going to play well every match, that you weren't mm. going to give a goal away, that you weren't going to get criticised? Did you think that you were always going to have been in a relationship and it was, never, it was always going to be plain sailing? Did you think you were never going to get dropped from a football team or have an injury? All the things that are bumps in the road, as I would call them, obstacles. Actually, imagine, if you're honest with yourself, you actually are going to hit those. Yeah. Of varying degrees, and some of them are difficult to come over. You think of some of this, some individual moments that happen in people's lives, and it's heartbreaking. But actually then, if you're able to accept that it could have happened, and it can happen to anybody, and perspective, the idea of looking at someone else and thinking, well, it's happened to them and look at what they're doing. Yeah, there's always someone to be inspired by. Yeah. And I think that, to me, always helps me. The idea that you know, the, the, the worst thing that's ever happened to me was my, my dad died three and a half years ago. And um, he, um, believe it or not, went oh, my sister had just been appointed the manager of England, netball. Mum and dad travelled over to Australia, as they always would, to watch my sister play, mm. to watch us play. Travelled over to Australia to watch her play and the second day that he was there, he collapsed in the hotel room and that was it. And so we, me and my brother flew over and as we flew over, I mean, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. You know, you've, you, you're, you're idol, you're hero in some ways, the yeah. person you've always looked up to. Um, but I, I carried on as normal because, you know something, my dad had an unbelievable life he drank too much, he ate too much, he'd had some heart problems. It wasn't a shock that that actually ended this way to me or anybody that knew him, mm. it wasn't. Because actually he always stayed up too late, he always drank a bit too much, he always ate too much, you know, he had, he'd had had problems. You know, he lived till he was 65 when people say, oh, it's no age. Well, it was for my dad in some mm. ways because, the, you know, the life that he'd had, that that was probably always going to happen. You know, yet, you know, when I was growing up, my dad, had, you know, the idea of English breakfast with black pudding with fried bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah, dad was into that. You know what I mean? Yeah, my dad the was chip exactly it. the same. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So when, long life, <laughs> but then, no, and, yeah. and so when they actually, you know, when I think mm. when they when when he died in that way, I was able to be, I was devastated, but then I was able to also have a business meeting on the day of his funeral in the morning. Wow. Because I knew that actually my life had to go on. I knew that I actually could compartmentalise it. Mm. And then sometimes people say a year or so later, you know, you know, this idea that, um, you know, you've not grieved yet or you've not... 
I think I have because I remember being in that dressing room at Valencia, the coach's room, the little coach's room, before a match and thinking, I wish he was in the stand today to give me that comfort. Yeah. I was missing him. Mm. And I would never, I've never, that's the first time I've ever admitted that, I would think of him. Yeah. So in, de- you know, in some moments, sometimes I'll drive past the cemetery and I'll just go and sit there for half an hour. Mm. No one knows. So I am in some ways, but actually I can always compartmentalise and think, right, okay, mm. I've got a choice now. Yeah. I can either feel like this for the rest of the day or I can think, actually, no, what choice? I can move on with it. So these blank moments, these difficult moments, that's the biggest disappointment I've had, de- you know, devastating moment. Mm. Travelled over to Australia, Obviously, you had to then bring him back and everything like that. And, and and it was a difficult moment. But then I think to myself, I spent 40 years of my life with my dad. Mm. Some yeah. kids don't get to spend time with their dad at all or their mum. And I just think you can always put it into perspective yeah, yeah, by just reflecting yeah. on how lucky you've been and what you've got. And, yeah. and, and, and I think that's a, quite a, a... So when you have bad moments or blank moments or difficult moments... There's always perspective yeah. and there is always potentially the idea that did you think it was always going to go well? It probably wasn't. Something like this was always going to happen. Yeah. You know, our parents will unfortunately always, you know, die at some point. My grandparents lived till I was 30. All my four grandparents and they wow. all died within four or five years. Wow. And again, I felt with that, you know, upset because I was close to them. But then again, I was able to say some people never meet any of the grandparents some people don't have that relationship with them Mm. some people weren't brought up by their mum and dads and both sets of grandparents the idea so I I was always able to I'm always I feel like I'm able to cope I've not I've I've not had anything in my life yet that's happened to me where I've thought actually I can't compartmentalize that and think and look at other people or other and think actually I'm very lucky that can't that compartmentalizing is 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 very powerful isn't it It, yeah do you think that moment that six month moment where you've We've really yeah. through it a lot today. It has made such a massive impact yeah. on your life. It, it, it did those sessions yeah. and that, that ability to be able to actually compartmentalise yeah. issues. Sometimes like, it's praise as well. Yeah. Someone yeah. tells you you're brilliant, you look great. Yeah. You've got yeah. to be able to dismiss that really because yeah. it's not going to help you get yeah. on with the day. You know, someone, the guy telling me today that I was a great right back or that you know, he, th- he thinks it's not going to help me t- tomorrow when I'm going into my punditry. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to help me be a better pundit, that. It's not going to help me be a better do a better podcast it's not gonna, actually in some ways it's quite it's, it's a relevant noise it's yeah. nice yeah. Yeah. but it's nice to be able to you know have a yeah. conversation but then say actually no actually it's not helpful to me that but mm. it's going to you know if I let that go to my head it's going to have a bad impact if I actually you know it, so I think it has that six months that ability to be able to mm. resist the what I call irrelevant noise yeah. that, there's so much out there yeah is is a good thing, and it was to be fair. It was it, it was noisy at the time around me and my brother, around those Euros mm. and around yeah. that uh, Vasco da Gama. It was noisy, yeah. but more noisy for other people. You know, yeah. the worst thing sometimes actually is the people that um, you don't know that they're suffering and they're in silence. You know, I was able to go and share those thoughts with someone, and yeah. actually. That, that's that's the bigger problem. And that young player coming to you at England as well—that's yeah. that, that, a big step. That is a. That is a that to me is one of the where are young people going for help? Yeah. And who's guiding them back on the path? Yeah. Who's putting them straight? I was put straight. Yeah. I was put you know, I was veering off a path, I was, you know, thinking I was distracted, I was couldn't get my thoughts straight, I was spinning on a roundabout as I like to spinning yeah. on a roundabout, not in which direction to yeah, go yeah. next. For six months as a football player, but I was able to get back off it and jump off it and go back on the path again. But that's just my situation. How 
who's putting everybody else straight and who's yeah it's a uh, difficult sometimes yeah um it is difficult anyway My father told me that every man in his life has to serve something. There's no choice about that. He says, but you do get to choose what you serve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the only choice you get. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, I made a decision with stand-up comedy that I was going to serve it. And 21 years later, it's gone okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone all right. It's gone okay. <laughs> but then, you know, sometimes I wonder if I should have served some other stuff. Mm. Or if I wonder if I've served this too long at the expense of something else. Yeah. And and then I, I wonder at, at age forty nine, I wonder how much more serve juice I got left. <laughs> and do you think about doing other things? Like I mean, obviously acting was a passion for you when you were young. Do you, do you, do you, is that something you'd like to do again? Okay. Oh, into? um, I don't miss it. Um. <laughs> I went to several acting schools, several acting programs, community theater, and I spent thousands of pounds to find out I like acting. <laughs> I don't love it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I joke about it all the time about my next life. My next life, I mean, I mean, after retiring from stand-up. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Not some effort. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's getting where deep. It's where getting are we going with this? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, one of my fantasies is maybe about five years, I make my next big money, and then me and my woman, we can fake our deaths. And then we disappear to this deserted island, well, this uncharted island. And for five years, it's just, we hang out with the natives, we learn the language, we tell stories, we eat, we drink. And after about five years of that, that's when we'll turn up at the University of Moscow or the University of uh, Seattle, and we'll turn up as Mr. and Mrs. Mongo Slade. <laughs> and if somebody says, hey, aren't you that? No, no. My wife and I are not even comfortable with the N word. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great dream. <laughs> that's a great plan. <laughs> but, there, but there is something in that, isn't there? About sometimes just shutting off from the world. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, it's great. Yeah, just, yeah. just you just want it all to go away. Sometimes. Well, I tell you, one of the um, unspoken advantages by me of coming to live in England, I got here when I was like twenty-seven. And all of a sudden again, I was free to reshape my identity any way I wish. Mm, yeah. Reinvent yourself, so to speak. And I wonder how good it might be to do that again. Yeah. Just, you know, just move to a tropical island and you know, move with your lady and stuff. And you stop being red and you get known as Mango Joe. <laughs> and says, there go Mango! Hey, Mango, what's happening, baby? Just... <laughs> <laughs> that Mango Joe is so funny. He's like, he's, he's, yeah. he, should, he should do stand up or something. Get Mango Joe on the podcast. <laughs> oh man, I was trying to get away from that show. <laughs> oh man. Harder though, isn't it, when you've got a profile? You know, you've got a big profile. Harder to turn away sometimes. So. But I'm not famous. I'm not famous. I'm like Jay Z and Beyonce, that's famous. 
I mean, I got the kind of fame that if I went missing, the police would look for at least two days now. Maybe three. Depends on depends on what white woman I was. They did some mango joke before. I mean, I miss my mango. <laughs> you please, you find my mango. <laughs> My dad lost his hearing very suddenly. If that hadn't happened, I could probably, I probably wouldn't have even considered it. It just wouldn't have been on my radar. Mm. I think that's quite common because yeah, so, so you, yeah, because you were profoundly touched by. Um, yeah, personally. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. saw what that does. Yeah. Um, but had that not have happened, I don't think it would have done. I think that's entirely, you know, it's feasible to go entire lifetime without considering it. Really. You were quite young, were you? When you. Were yeah, I was twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I think when you're twelve, your dad's a bit of a superhero, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. then you see him as a human. Like, and being really vulnerable yeah. and um, my dad had cancer and was cured from cancer but actually dealt with the, losing his hearing he just didn't deal with that as well as cancer mm. cancer was far more straightforward you know I can get treatment and this is what happens but then deafness you're just left with this world of silence and nobody really tells you how to navigate that yeah. they don't now but they certainly didn't then because mm. um, they're told how to deal with the cancer yeah we know exactly there's a plan yeah, yeah. Um, but not with deafness and I just saw him sort of slowly removing himself from social situations and feel, I think there's something about you know a man of a certain age and not wanting to show any sign of weakness and of course, he's still yeah, the man yeah. of the family and it's still fine so his only way of dealing with it was sort of removing himself from certain situations so he didn't feel vulnerable or whatever so. yeah yeah. Well, that must have been really hard for, his, for him obviously and for his immediate family for, yeah, as well for, yeah. yeah for, for mum and I yeah it, it, yeah, it was, because you don't really... Again, you just don't know what to do. There is no manual for when yeah. things like this happen. Nobody really knows. And he, I just consider my dad extremely lucky as well, because he obviously had a voice, because he'd been communicating all his mm. life with a voice, so he could still tell us how he was feeling, yeah. although he didn't much. But, yeah. um, but the, you know, there are a community of people that quite literally don't have a voice, and I can't even imagine what that must be like. But... Um, yeah, not being able to relay your point, not being able to call him from the other room, not being able to phone him, not being able to go to the cinema, going out for lunch, going out mm. for dinner, yeah. all those things that you just take for granted. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, those sort of normal things, just talk, yeah. sitting around the dinner table. They're just normal, yeah, yeah, yeah. it becomes really difficult. You're like, yeah. wow. And that was a big moment, like, in my life being so young, but realising, mm. God, this is crazy, this thing um, that no one really considers. And then I started learning sign language uh, and very quickly fell in love with it and have been involved with the deaf community for years since then really yeah because we're social we're social beings aren't we so we, we all want to communicate and yeah, connect absolutely and mm. i think some more than others and my dad was really larger than life and sort of super chatty and engaging always you know always sort of the center of social situations always organizing the dinners and organizing yeah, those kind yeah. of things so um yeah very, that was but it that. caused him to be more withdrawn after that absolutely yeah, yeah. because i think and also I think there's a bit of a kind of not wanting to, to, to seem vulnerable by not wanting to say, sorry, what did you say? Or sorry, I can't hear that. Or do you mind sitting opposite me? Or yeah. sorry, do you mind sitting yeah. here so I can see you a bit better? It's just embarrassing, I think. Well, because I get that in, in normal conversations sometimes when you have to ask someone something like three or four times. Mm. Yes. If you... I, I, by that point, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm so embarrassed, I'm just not going to ask. But if that's your life yes. every day. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's, and it is. That's, that's, a, that's yeah. a reality. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's really unfair. 
yeah in a way <laughs> yeah. it is and then I think the, the aim is just to make it more the, raise the awareness so we at least know about it yeah. so we at least get it as a, as a society rather than being like this society that is totally ignorant to this one particular thing and oh, we're all a bit alien and no one really knows how to act because that's what happens that's the reality for a lot of deaf people yeah. you see somebody signing and us as hearing people go okay don't really know how to deal with that yeah. so I'll just smile and nod and walk yeah. away and yeah. it's not okay but I think people, people are inherently what want to be good and want to be helpful but pe- people even like that get embarrassed about oh I don't know what to do now how, I can't sign I don't know what to say or do but I think if people had the knowledge and the information, they would be more helpful and be more forthright with that kind of thing. But it's just that embarrassment of like not knowing and that lack of education. You're exactly right. It is just a lack of education. I don't mm. think anyone's... It's not willful ignorance. Like, it's not... Nobody's mean. Nobody's been, no. uh, you know, overtly mean. It's just that they don't know about it. It's a subject that's not largely not talked about. So. temperament i don't you know i, I don't get down i don't mm. very often if i you know if i do it's it's short-lived yeah and um, but obviously there's been occasions where that could have happened to you you know for, when you're saying about george and well stuff, of course were, were, I mean, that yeah. was, you know that was, a, that was different that was just yeah but, but that was that was do you know what that was more fear yeah the fear of you know i could even cope i could cope with it when he was ill as well i could i just remember coping whilst I felt there was hope. There were a couple of times where they told us, they said, God, we, honestly, we've got to warn you that we'd be, we'll be quite surprised if he makes it through the night. There were a couple oh of those God, occasions. Yeah, yeah. And that was, wow. but again, that was not, it was a different feeling. It wasn't like a depressing feeling. It was more of a, it was fair. Mm. And I used, to, I used to have this awful dreams occasionally with, of, of, um, I was carrying him in a little white coffin. I don't know why. But, um, yeah. and, but at the same time, whilst he was still alive, whilst he's been treated, whilst there was hope, yeah, I was all right. Yeah, but I always looked at there were other people in there who weren't as fortunate as us, that kids didn't make it, because um, we were in there about seven months solid, and there were other kids that didn't make it in that time. And you're in that environment when they don't. Yeah, and and that was always my fear. I do not know whether I would have been able to cope with that. Mm. I don't know how any parent can cope with that. Um, and but whilst it was always, you know, there were ups and downs and difficult times, but there was always hope. Yeah. You know, we didn't we didn't lose him. So, you know, I don't feel we were dreadfully unfortunate. I think we're un- unbelievably fortunate yeah. because yeah, yeah. the odds of him making it were pretty low, and he did. Uh, remarkable. He's twenty seven now. Probably pop in any minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, he's he's great. Yeah, that's in, yeah. That, yeah. Um, that hope though, that's it can be hard sometimes to. To, to cling on to that I mean it's yeah. so powerful oh no there mm. were, there were no, I mean obviously it's a, it's a fairly distant memory but it's something that's still you know I remember the thoughts the mm. thoughts of mm. crikey I don't, know, I don't know what I'm going to do if he doesn't make it I don't you know but in all yeah. areas in life I think being able because yeah. you know things go up and down in life but being able to cling on to a bit of hope actually yeah. can be really powerful and get you through but, yeah. it, but it's not easy no no it's far from easy it's yeah. far from easy and you know people have lot you know, worse, terrible circumstances in their lives, and you know, but part of living is trying to deal with it. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you can't. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and that's okay. Well, it's it's not okay if you're going through it, 
And it's all, I mean, it's awful. I'm, I'm lucky that I don't suffer, um, I don't have any kind of um, mental illnesses or depression or never had that side to me. Again, I've got that equable thing that I can deal with the ups and downs in life without getting too carried away one way or the other. So, um, again, it's easy for people to judge. Um, yeah. And it's and it's not right if because unless you understand what it's like to go through those yeah. circumstances, then yeah. then then we shouldn't judge. Do you, you know, I think it's it can be quite creative if you're yeah. terrified. Do you think it's sometimes better than just to go straight in, not have rehearsal time for? Or do you think there's a benefit? I to think there is a benefit to rehearsal time. But it's how you utilise it. So if you <clears throat> if you get you know, I, I my I, perfect idea of a rehearsal time is to read whatever you're doing around the table, talk about it <clears throat> for about a day, and and sort of like you know, mark the script and work out what you know what they're saying in each scene, and then get up and start playing with it. Yeah. Because the more familiar you are with it. <clears throat> the more you have the luxury of playing with it. And also in Which a way, is it like, it then gives you opportunities to get it wrong. Like it's okay to get <coughs> it wrong. Absolutely. It's good. You can fail. I think it's brilliant yeah. to fail. I, I think, think you've, you've some, some of, you know, some of the best things I've ever done, I've done through failing, you know, for, yeah. through, you know, getting up and making an idiot of myself. Yeah. Cause you, you, um, you chip away that facade of, I have to be perfect. It's, you don't, you know, you can, there's a beauty in failing and, and, and picking yourself up and, because it makes you stronger it makes you a stronger person absolutely it's yeah. great I totally agree I think also it's, sometimes it's better to fail yeah I think so well it's just such a huge learning curve you know if you're if you if you succeed in everything you do yeah I mean what does that that just it must make you into what well, must make you like Donald Trump <laughs> do you know what I mean sort of like deeply highly yeah. insensitive and and not in any way empathetic mm, yeah. or aware of your surroundings if you're constantly getting it right I don't you know yeah why would you want to, to get it right yeah why would you want to get everything right all the time it's yeah. great what you know? have you learned from that yeah literally mm. nothing yeah yeah and speaking of which then we, we normally sort of round off the pod by asking our guests for their advice on blank moments to people listening so right. what advice would you pass on to anyone listening who is having blank moments either creatively if they're doing creative stuff or other industries or, or whatever well when I have a blank moment I uh I breathe. This breathing, we sort of forget to breathe. I think as as humans, we don't take in a breath and just take in a moment and just be. So I do that. I have a good cry because I think that's really cathartic. I always, I'm, I'm forever crying at various things, um, but I do think it's very healthy to, to to let go of whatever you're holding onto. And then you know, get getting out in the fresh air, walking being at one with you know walking it anywhere or just it, it's about feeding your soul i think and it's yeah. about um and looking after your soul and not not wanting not not being afraid to be a bit self-indulgent in terms of that you know yeah. allowing yourself to just be yeah um because that's when creativity will start flowing again and that's when you can start um looking out into the world again you know i think Whenever I've had a blank moment, <clears throat> which I do quite a lot, you know, because I'm a single mum and two kids and you're juggling and, and everything can seem sometimes quite bleak or, yeah. you know, horrible. Um, it's all about breathing. It's all about breathing in and, and, and also, you know, we're here for a very short space of time and 
if anything, during this past week, if, if anything's taught me anything, is that, that, you know, our lives are precious and we are all, you know, we're all really important. And, and somewhere you're really important to somebody and you're really important to somebody and we need you around. Yeah. We need good people around and uh, about spreading the love. And you have to look after yourself. You do have to look after yourself. And it's about looking after your, as I say, it's about looking after your soul and about looking after not just your physical body, but your ment- you know, the, mentally and emotionally, just, just checking in every now and again, going, are we okay? Are we good? Is this all right? We c- okay, we can move forward and I can, you know, I can give you some time and love, yeah. and, but making sure that you're actually giving yourself that as well. And having that conversation think, with yourself, actually. Yeah, I think forget, you know, we forget to love ourselves and we forget to look after ourselves and like ourselves. Yeah. You know, you only have to look. If, you know, you're both very popular people. You have families. You know, you, you have people who love you like attracts like you know you 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 attract what you attract love you know you yeah. attract if, if you're a good person with yeah. a good heart and a good spirit you'll attract that and We're, if you're trying it's all about trying yeah but if you put that out you will get it back yeah you don't you know don't no, don't be the grinch i think is my <laughs> that's good advice never be never <laughs> be, be the grinch. grinch not in the first two thirds of the film <laughs> no no <laughs> yeah. no that's it yeah. be, be the, 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 be the grinch. third grinch be the last grinch you be the last grinch yeah <laughs> that's beautiful <laughs> i might get that put on a poster yeah be the last grinch <laughs> be the, yeah. Yeah. if in doubt be the last grinch <laughs> <laughs> oh that's beautiful I mean, it goes wrong. It can go wrong in, in in any number of ways. Yeah. And one is that um, there is just um, no story, you know, or no story that we can tell. And and it's not that the subject's not sort of interesting. It's just not interesting in a way that I find I can get my teeth into it. We tried to do a. I mean, that's happened quite a few times. And mm. even to, usually you weed it out in the research stage, and that's why research goes on months sometimes ideas take years to percolate and to get to the point where we feel we can commit to them but sometimes you get to the point you commit you go out and shoot there's a recce first like the the team goes out and does a recce meets contributors comes back we look at tape um or it'll be digital now but and you say like okay i think there's something there let's go do it and you go out and then after a few weeks or, or or usually be a few days on location there's a feeling of, do you know what? It just isn't quite happening. Mm. The one that springs to mind is we tried to, because it got all the hallmarks of a good story, is MMA, mixed martial arts. Mm. bit like wrestling, a uh, bit like boxing, but notionally more extreme. And, and, and we went out, and it was supposed to be mixed along with, um, mixed up with a story of backyard brawling. And to cut a long story short, it just became clear that it's really a sports story and 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 there was no it wasn't in some ways in terms of the, the brutality it's in some ways less extreme than boxing because the bouts are over very quickly and um <clears throat> it's certainly less cartoonish than wrestling yeah and so i after a few days i just like i don't get it like in other mm. words I, I don't get the fa- what's sort of what there is to pick at here the guys are just doing something that's relatively safe, albeit kind of a bit scary. Like if you're not into physical mm. roughy tufty stuff, but but they're into that. No, there's nerves before they do it. It's not massively sort of anguish-inducing. So we let we let it go. 
and and then you know so from time to time that's never a good feeling uh, but it does it does happen I was and also sometimes I guess you've embraced maybe those moments I was just thinking back to the like blank the Mi- moments well, like the Michael Jackson one yeah. for example where you couldn't get access to that was to one Michael. of the only times we've done that and yeah. it would be nice to feel you could always do that and I think we all, we went into that knowing it's Michael Jackson but yeah. of course there's a high likelihood he's not going to rock up, up and yeah. say okay hi Louis <laughs> yeah I love weird weekends <laughs> can I do an interview with you is it okay if bubbles <laughs> so we and, and that was yeah. an experimental piece Another one was we did about um, it was uh, Ike Turner, and it was in the era oh, of okay. when Louis Metz. So we'd done a couple like Paul Daniels and Jimmy Savile, and and I think it might even have been after that where we committed to let's do a whole bunch of these. And for whatever reason, Ike Turner was the first one that we sort of said yes to, and I think we were the idea that was appealing was. Oh well, he he'll be like Lawrence Fishburne in What's Love Got to Do with It? This sort okay, of yeah, yeah. Uh, highly strung but um, intense, intense and rather yeah, charismatic. Yeah. Well, he was of all those things, but he was almost so high. What we didn't get that was this vulnerability, and and actually, when you're with him, he's so he what he's dead now, but he was so highly strung and sensitive that you almost couldn't get your questions out and he just didn't like talking about the whole Tina thing. It was right, so acutely okay. painful to him that just a reference to Tina, yeah. he would disappear. Oh, he didn't okay. go like, why are you bringing that up? He would just leave the room and call his agent and okay. say, oh, these motherfuckers keep bringing up <laughs> Tina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you told me they weren't going to talk about Tina. And and, 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 and then we realize oh uh, we really want to talk of, about that's that the end of today's <laughs> filming and yeah, then you know yeah. next day we go back and it's he like, might be in a different mood shall we bring up tina like well what else yeah, yeah sure yeah. talk about <laughs> the whole thing is premised on the idea that yeah he, he you know he, he's this poster boy for spousal abuse yeah yeah we, like, we're not going to talk about his guitar picking style <laughs> yeah. you know and so uh that fizzled out yeah. after about two filming trips so there's been a few like that but then there's other ways it goes wrong where in a way, you try and build in a margin of error with the film, like this contributors you, who, for whatever reason, you don't make the connection with, or um, their story exists in a better form with someone else. So you you know you drop that that story, or I mean I'm trying to think. So in terms of stories not working out. Um, there's various ways it can go wrong. And then in terms of blankness, I mean, blankness is this sort of ever-present risk that exists in in my world in which um, I try to keep things fresh and I'm constantly aware of the need not to repeat myself. And and at the same time, stories are quite hard to come by. In t- you know, there's a certain, there is a certain DNA to the stories that I'm interested in, which is to do with a level of, seriousness and angst combined with human connection um and to keep that going and and to but but to keep it fresh involves it's over the years it's involved sometimes weeks or months in which there's been a feeling on the production of like well what do we do now because nothing on the storyboard looks realistic or or achievable or or interesting and does sometimes it comes down to that that's not a louis Farou story do you know I, I think mean? always because they all have to. 
I mean, without. I mean, I know your your documents have evolved. You obviously the weird weekends yeah. through to you know now with the daughter states, and you, uh, there's been a, an evolution. But you know, is there still like uh, that's that's something that would engage me? It's got conflict. It's got angst. It's got those things, and that's the thing that's harder to find now. Yeah, I mean that, that that's the sort of such as it is formula, and I think over the years it's been a case of trying to um, remove certain criteria that inhibit us from doing good stories, you know, by opening ourselves up to different areas of life. So, for example, in the early days, Weird Weekends were supposed to be funny. So a big a big sort of uh, change or evolution was when the first time we did a story that wasn't that funny. And it's debatable when that happened, you know, but, but basically sort of saying, do you know what, this might not be that funny. <clears throat> But we'll do it anyway. I think the first time it came... Because for a lot of times in the early days, we can't do that. It's not funny. Mm. And I, almost to the point of privileging stories that were slightly weaker because they were funny, I could participate in them. Mm. But maybe the, they weren't the most um, chewy stories. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, so, for example, Demolition Derby was one or Off-Broadway, which when you look at them, they're slightly like episodes of Duncan Dares. Yeah, the Broadway one because you really yeah. <laughs> particularly because you really get yeah in on the act as it were yeah which I mean <laughs> yeah. and in the demo derby I get into it but yeah any sign any film in which the climax was me participating the home shopping network one is another yeah, one yeah 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 is is I mean as good as they are in their way I'm, <laughs> I like them. I like all my children <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, they they definitely aren't the most oomphy if that's a word. Yeah, and, we'll go, um, yeah, I and, like it. And so then later on, I think I proposed a story. I think it first happened when I proposed a story on a brothel. Mm. And I remember my exec at the time saying, well, that's not that funny, is it? And and then it was like, well, I don't know. Let's, we haven't got Could anything. We, we are, I don't know, but we've got nothing else. You know, the, back then I was trying to do a Scientology film. It was like, well, the Scientology film is not working. And there is literally nothing else that we can do. So it may not be that funny, but we've got we've got to do it. Um, so we did it, and then it turned out. Do you know what? It is quite funny in places. There are moments, but of more humor, importantly, but yeah. it was a really yeah interesting and engaging program. So then, and then time passed, and we did one about San Quentin Prison. Yeah. Same thing came up. Not very funny, is it? And the feeling was, well, maybe not that funny, but actually, it might be interesting. So, all right, fine. So that was an incremental. So process. funny was the go-to at that point. Was it? Well, funny had been regarded as a necessary precondition of doing mm. a story, and letting go of that opened a lot of stories. I mean, whether that relates directly to blankness, I'm not sure. Except that the threat of blankness yeah. is the yeah, is yeah. sort of incentivizing factor. And then later on, the second sort of development was, oh well what about something on people with Alzheimer's and dementia? And then then it wasn't like, clearly it's not that funny. Although there's humour, you know, in life. Yeah. So that you, I always rely on you the fact that there's going to be yeah. some humour in life. But, but it's also that actually no one's even doing anything wrong or dubious. You know, in prison and brothel, you've got people violating sure, certain yeah, social yeah, norms. Yeah. No one's doing anything very wrong when when they're involved with a condition like Alzheimer's or dementia. And so it's like, well, we've got nothing else. That's all we've got, you know. We've run out of people doing things that are wrong. So I'm afraid <laughs> it's dementia. We need to go into illness now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then we did it, and actually it was a really 
solid yeah. program. So again, it was sort of a case of the threat of obsolescence um, forced our hand, and and so that's always been sort of the journey. So you, that yeah, so on. you're still being forced. Your, your hand. Yeah, being forced I mean, I think well. at the moment, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I mean, I've sort of been. I, I think at the moment, funnily enough, I think at the moment I'm at a place where I might be at one of those junctions, you know, where um, I perhaps n- need to. Um, it's not that anyone said anything. I, I, I have a feeling of that it might be time to change somehow. I, I haven't really got further, much further than that. But um, always, you know, and for a while I was like, oh, do a film. So we did the Scientology movie or do a two-parter or a three-parter. And little inflections mm. in, in approach kind of kept things fresh. And I, I think I might be at a point now where I need to um, change. Take stock. Do you take stock? Take stock yeah. and figure out a slightly different Yeah. Approach. And I guess doing the book is, is something. The like, book has yeah. kept me kind of ticking over as well. So... I think, you know, for me, blankness is a condition of of life. It's a sort of ever-present threat and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and an adversary that kind of ke- keeps me on my toes. Yeah. But, like, I... So I'm writing this book, and I remember sitting down, and, like, I, you know, I wrote a sample, and I got this publisher and stuff, and then I... I, I kept saying to people, because for years I've wanted to write a book, and I would say to people, like, how do you write a book? Like, I have all these ideas. Like, how do you, you write a book? you find out, can you tell me? <laughs> I know. Well, I, well, no, the best, the best thing I heard was you just sit down and you write it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really the answer, is like this idea that you, you actually have to – you could have all these ideas about doing something. Mm. You can have all these thoughts, all these plans, and then you – actually have to sit down and just do it and that to me is the fill in the blank space is like yeah okay so this thing happens just do it just actually do it and i think that's the hardest thing to really understand in a weird way is like and for me the whole thing about the book is i'm theories all this and it's like oh no i just actually have to sit down on my computer and put words i put out letters together <laughs> they form words and then those <laughs> words make sentences and then, like, a book comes out of it. But that seems so incomprehensible when it seems like such a big deal. Yeah. But How it, are you finding the writing? Is it, has it been cathartic? Yes, amazingly so. Yeah, it's a whole new form for me, but it's one that I've admired and loved throughout the years. So, I mean, I have greater respect for, I think, authors than I do for any, any other profession. I mean, I just, like, love books. So it's been really cathartic and really interesting to get into rhythms because I used to feel like I had to be inspired when I wrote like Mm. I used to like I have to feel it and then I'm gonna write it and now I just actually go to my computer at a certain time and I just sit down and I write and it you know it's not always great but it but at least I'm not chasing inspiration yeah I'm actually, actually like a discipline it's actually a thing that like working out or whatever I just show up to do and I guess I guess with the book you're having to be quite honest as well. Is that is that is that helpful? You know, is that a good process for you? It's helpful for me. I don't know that the finished product has <laughs> the first draft, but yeah, it's uh, it's truly like liberating, even to be honest with yourself uh, further about things that you didn't know you felt or things that, and that to me is the most interesting. Is I'll I'll be writing and. 
and the best stuff that I write is the stuff where you'll be writing and you'll think you have this to say about it and you start saying it. And then you and then I'll realize as I go in, I'm like, oh, actually, this is underneath it. And actually, this is what I really feel. And that, that actually turns it on its head. And, the, and so the you know, it feels almost like an acting process in that way where I discover the book when I discover it. I feel like that's when it's the best. From... Yeah. And it's, it's good to learn stuff about yourself. I mean, you know, we no matter how old we are. We all keep learning about the world and, and sometimes focusing on yourself and writing about yourself helps you learn about how you are as a person. And that can be the most invaluable thing of all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. OK, so uh, we normally round off the podcast, David, by asking our guests to uh, give up their advice to any of our listeners uh, who might be having black moments. Uh, and that's a very interpretive term. Um, Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, yeah. Give me a little more like <laughs> advice. Uh, how? Like you mean when they're when they're stuck? Yeah, I guess so. Because everyone can. I mean, we initially thought it might be creative people listen to this podcast who have blank moments. But I get it's actually, you know, various people from all walks of life. And, and people can have blank moments no matter what they do. Um, I guess how would your experiences of that uh, help? I guess give advice to to our listeners who might be struggling. I mean, again, I think that like summing up, I think the tenacity thing is huge. And I think that um, I, I also really firmly believe in this cause and effect idea that if you are having a blank moment or whatever, that if you take an action and if that an act action is whatever it is, if it's intended to be something that you want to become further or that you want to be further, that simply the taking of that action will produce a result it may not be that day it may not be a week from then but it will over the over your lifetime continue to to move you toward that path and the other thing is i think that so much of when i don't do something is based on my own resistance as opposed to based on the hard thing to do and i think that there's a, an interesting moment of resistance that happens in all of us that can manifest in terms of like other things we don't know, other things we need to do, or this this word that I hear is like, I don't know, or I'm confused. People yeah. say that a lot. And when they say that, when I say it, it's it, many times it's just resistance. If you, you know, like I believe that for comedy drama anyway, I think if it doesn't work straight, it won't work funny. Like you have to sort of put the funny, you know, like yeah. as if you want it to be believable. Um, but like just trying to, because you just get, then it feels like you're being naughty. Like if you just, like you sort of go, this is meant to be, if you envisage that it's meant to be a straight, you know, sort of very straight pace yeah. that you're writing. And then people just start saying the things that you think out, you know, when you're in an office situation, if it wouldn't be funny if I just got up and did this <laughs> yeah. and you go, well, write that down. Because it's like, yeah. so it's sort of playing around with it like that a bit. But allowing yourself to do that. Totally, totally, you know, and I think having swimming as well is a big thing, I think, for me. I think if I get to sort of knacker my body out so that all the all the little rattlings, you know, bees and little half thoughts and mm. bits of paper and memories floating around are sort of just tired, then you've just got like pure yeah. that bit of just like, okay, I'm ready to work then <laughs> <laughs> in your brain. Do you find you get, um, in moments like that, where you kind of like switched your mind and your body off, do you get more ideas? And then how do you note them down? Because I quite, I quite often get ideas in like the shower and driving. 
I'm like, I've got to pull yeah. over and like make a note on my phone or like really? jump out of the shower. Like, yeah, because I'm switched, sort of switched off. See, if I, once I start noting an idea, I feel like I've pulled away from the idea. So I don't like yeah. to document it until I'm like, you know, like the sec- if I'm in an idea and I, like I go, hang on, write this down. I feel like it's not finished. It wasn't finished. Like if you needed to write it down, like if it was that fleeting, yeah. then I feel like you should have sat with it for longer and been like, what does that mean? What do you mean? Like, where's it going? What, like, flesh it out more. Exploring. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. for people and is that a way you're able to connect to these people that don't want to be interviewed for uh, the shaming book or even someone like Melania you you seem to have a quite sort of empathy is your first way in is that that fair yeah I'd say so I always and once in a while I I find that the empathy was misplaced and that the person you know there are people out there with sketchy character traits who as much as you try to to humanize them you just can't do it so that uh, that does happen from time to time with me um but it's always definitely always good to go in with a sort of open mind and open heart and from Mm -hmm. a place of empathy because most of you know many times most times going in with that approach uh you you do it does reap its rewards plus it's just the way that i naturally am anyway uh as more now than before I think when I was younger, I was more ambitious and more into what can this story do for me in my career. Mm -hmm. But that all changed, I'd say, uh, 15 years ago, maybe, Mm -hmm. um, where I suddenly realized I don't really have anything left to prove, like, I'm doing okay. Yeah. I'm getting older, and do I really want to? Do I? Do I really? You know, what? What? What do you want to do? Do with yeah. your life, sort yeah. of in terms of ethics yeah. and yeah. Uh, and morality. So, so I just and as you get older, you accumulate the flotsam and jetsam of or the mistakes you've made and the baggage and the mental health issues and all you know all those things. And so, when you realise that, oh my God, I'm just a bag of you know mental health issues and <laughs> um, all of that stuff then how can you not approach another person with with empathy because they're probably going to be very similar they're going to have mm. their own flotsam yeah. and jetsam and, and and mental health issues and stuff exactly so i think it's really important to to approach people with empathy for for all of those reasons as i say once in a while yeah. somebody's mental health condition has made them cold and manipulative and untrustworthy and you do find people like that and they do exist Mm. and so then you can't be like a dupe Mm. you have to you have to so I think when you're doing a story there has to be both empathy and curiosity but also truth like you can't be afraid to, to tell the truth yeah be that positive or negative yeah yeah yeah. It is what it is, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And do, are you are you a sort of believer in people? Because that's the impression I'm getting. And I think Charles, yeah. you and I are quite 
see the good in people. I thought, yeah, that's well, how I well, feel. I like so, apart from Kirsty, also. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, uh, is that the sort of person you are as well, John? Even Kirsty, sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Certainly in terms of storytelling, I mean, on a, on a, on a human level, I'm quite introverted, so I tend not to, I don't go to parties. I tend to turn down most social invitations. Uh, and I tend to, so on a, on a human level, I tend to stay home a lot. Yeah. Um, and just be by myself. When, when, you know, when my wife's out. Um, but on a work level, on a storytelling level, very much. Yeah. It's all about it's all about people, shared humanity, kindness, curiosity, yeah. and so on. Because that's that's how like we as humans are gonna get fo- progress, isn't it? By getting on. Yeah. I get really frustrated when people don't kind of see it that way. I think so. It kills me that that mod- being a moderate, being a sort of centrist. I mean, I know those those terms have various political connotations, yeah, yeah. but but when I think of those terms, I just think of listening to people, talking to people, trying to come up with some kind of consensus. But of course, what's happening now in both this yeah, country yeah, and yeah. America is the pendulum is it's swinging yeah. crazily back and forward, and the people in the middle are are being seen. And I wouldn't. I'm not saying in the middle in terms of like I see a little bit of Trump that I yeah, like. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> Just to make that clear. Yeah. I was going to ask you what bit, little bit, can yeah. you see? Um, but what I mean is, um, it's funny actually. What popped into my head when I went quiet just then was I just gave a college talk up in Michigan, in Horton, Michigan, last week. And I made, I did two talks, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And in the morning, I made an anti-Trump comment on the stage. And this guy came up to me, and it turns out that this college in Michigan, it's a technical college, and there's quite a lot of Trump supporters in the in the audience. So one of them came up to me and said, you know, I heard your comment this morning. So are you trying to tell me that um, all of Trump's voters are racist? And I was like, no, like that was like nothing to do with what I'd said on the stage. And yeah. I don't think all of Trump's voters are no, racist. No. I do think um, a, a good deal of the ones who aren't racist did willingly blind themselves yeah, yeah. to to the yeah. to the shit that Trump yeah. has said yeah. from day one. Yeah. Um, but but you know, but being up in that college in Michigan did make me think. You know, these people aren't monsters. Of course not. Yeah. Um, mm. A lot of them voted for Trump for economic reasons yeah. and not for social politi- social p- political reasons. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so refusing to listen to them and mocking people, yeah. you know, which is what the left does all the time, yeah. you know, yeah, mocking yeah. people who who even wants to interview them, yeah. you know, it's it's just drives me nuts. Mm. Yeah. China's actually that is a couch trait of mine and I just need to like be all right with it yeah because I've tried and tried over the years to change it. it's like deadlines I mean I have never made a deadline in my entire life and I think there comes a point where you just I mean I just get people to give me false deadlines and it sounds ridiculous (laughs) that a grown woman cannot discipline herself to keep a deadline but I but like my agent knows my agent always tells me to get to a gig an hour earlier than I have to Mm -hmm. and I mean one of the beautiful things about being a a 
comedy performer is that people expect you to be a bit useless. <laughs> and so they are geared up. The whole system is engineered yeah. for, you know, like my agent, if I ever have to invoice for anything. So even if I am completely skint, the process of invoicing for something just never seems to happen. And so my agent is like, if anyone offers to, and it, not just because she gets her cut, even sometimes she'll mm. be like, I don't even want the money. I just want you to have the money <laughs> rather than for yeah. people to be saying, where's that invoice we want to pay you? And I can honestly be eating baked beans for three. I mean, I, you know, when I was young and desperately skint and yet still could never get my act together to get the money. I mean, it's just. To be fair, baked beans are great. So I know, but I mean, really you know, I'm very wrong. happy no, just baked, to yeah. eat baked beans. But I think it's interesting, like to know to know yourself, yeah, and to be okay with that. And there quite often will be people that want to help you. Sussex University and something I've said to the students there which is there's two things one one thing is um, in terms of encountering difficulties in your life you know obstacles and stuff like that and I said you know that you are always defined by what you do next you know who you are is your next decision not the last thing that happened to you because it could have happened for a number of reasons it could have happened because of your own sort of uh, miscalculation, it could be just unfortunate, loads of things. But the next decision is yours. So that's who you are. So that was my thing with with hitting um, obstacles. Mm -hmm. And the th whole thing about knowing the difference between your instincts, which I think are r always right, and your fears, because your instincts and your fears speak with exactly the same vocabulary in exactly the same accent, with exactly the same cadence. And so how do you know? How do you know whether it's your instinct speaking or your fear speaking? Because that's going to inform your decision, which is going to be who you are. And my thing was that, and this may sound oversimplistic, but it was kind of, okay, take the decision. The, the instinct one is the one that's coming from love every single time. And that can be, you know, love for somebody else, love for a situation, love for yourself as well. But that is the highest you, the, 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 the step that you take, which is a loving step, is the highest you. Mm. And it's not about being judgmental on people who take the fearful step, but it's, it's part of that journey is to kind of understand it, understand it in yourself and then understand that other people face those same, you know, crossroads mm. all the time. So that for me is kind of, the, you know, that whole thing about... Um, because I was saying to you earlier that, you know, there mm. are different kind of blanks. You know, there yeah, are, yeah, yeah. There's fearful blank and then there's kind of neutral blank and then there can be happy blank as well. And, um, you know, the happy blank we don't have to worry too much about. Yeah. You're in a good state of mind itself, and you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, neutral blank is kind of all right as well because, you know, it's fine. It's like treading water. Yeah. Um, you know, fearful blank is, is the one that, you know, because it, you know, it's never completely blank. Your blank is then filled with anxiety. Yeah. And so it's not complete. And that is confusing and all the rest of it. It is then just kind of going, okay, what is the most loving step I can take now? And it's not one that will necessarily solve a problem or resolve an issue. But it will take you one step in that direction, you know, to, to be able to solve it, to be able to resolve it. 
Um, so yeah, that's yeah, that's all I've got to say. We should definitely get T-shirts made with fearful blank, neutral blank, <laughs> yeah. and happy blank, yeah. and you can just wear whichever one you're feeling that day or whatever you're going through. You well, thank thing- you for that business. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but also, the thing is, you know, the, the important thing is for no one to kind of attach shame to it because yeah. that's what happens a lot of the time is you get into fearful blank and then you kind of your self-worth crumbles and then there's shame attached to it and Mm. it's kind of everybody does it you know it's kind of it's it's accessing good coping mechanisms for those when they happen There you go. That was uh, some of the choicest fine cut meats of uh, <laughs> pod gristle. Um, we've, we've had so many great guests. Um, we're so lucky. The yeah. fact that we can even make a best of um, after a year. Yeah, I can't believe we're great. already 34 episodes in. It seems like it's gone in a bit of a whirlwind. But yeah, uh, yeah. and hopefully there'll be lots more to come. Indeed. Uh, so look, enjoy the rest uh, of your summer holidays. If you're having holidays, uh, we'll be back with you at some point. Well, we're, we'll be back in the autumn. In the autumn. That's what they always say on BBC for series, <laughs> isn't they? The series yeah. will be back in the autumn. When the, when the days get shorter, but the pods get longer. <laughs> they won't. They'll be about the same. Probably about the same. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and we will see you again soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.